And Mike Connell, welcome to the Veterinary Business Matters podcast brought to you by Oculus Insights. And I'm really, really, really excited to have uh, one of my partners at Oculus Insights, uh, Dr. Joke Lomans from the Netherlands to join us. And I've asked uh, Joke to join us because he is uh, leading a workshop at the uh, European College of Veterinary Surgeons uh, conference this July on a business management subject uh, called Reinventing Your B- Veterinary Business Strategy. So, Joke, welcome um, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for the for the introduction. I'm excited to talk yes. with you about uh, this this subject and about uh, this event that's coming up. Yeah. So before we get to the event, uh, let's give everybody a bit of an insight into your past. You have one of the more interesting uh, veterinary careers I have ever heard. So why don't you just give everybody a brief overview of all that you have done? Oh, that, I, I will. I will not go that far. Um, however, uh, I finished vet school in 1988, have always been a close to sub-professional rider, always been involved in horses, started to work at a small practice in the eastern part of the Netherlands, very quickly became partner and chairman of the board of, at that time, large mixed practice in, in the Netherlands. And I really loved the managerial part of it, uh, whether it was the, the companion animal vets or the farm animal part, where there's some more management of uh, farms as well involved. I really like that. Uh, we grew, uh, we built an equine clinic, and then uh, I was asked by University of Utrecht if I would be willing to join their forces and work in the equine team to grow the, the number of patients being referred. I did that for about 12 years, and at the same time did my PhD on veterinary practice management how do uh, vets survive? How do they make money? What are legal issues? Uh, how is that time expenditure? How do they organize uh, th- their business actually? I defended my thesis in 2008 and did a lot of work at the university for developing a master um, for, for equine students. And after that, I was invited on a trade mission to China, got involved with a big project in China, built an equine clinic in China, uh, which was not there yet on mainland China. Actually, at the same time when I did all of this work, I kept educating people on, on business management. And that's how I met Mike and how I met Bob and how we started Oculus. That's a, that's a long story. Sorry, Mike. That's all right. No, it's an interesting story. And I know I've, I've visited the, uh, the clinic that you developed in China, and it is absolutely magnificent. So uh, anyway, let's shift gears. Let's talk about this program. And I, and I think it's a program that's very dear to your heart because, boy, the, the veterinary profession is changing. And it really has some uh, same challenges, whether we're talking North America, where I am, or Europe, where you are. But reinvent your veterinary business strategy. Why, why that subject? And why, and why that subject of the ECVS? Well, I, I think uh, we will have a lot of um, diplomats, of course, at the ECVS, a lot of practice owners, a lot of people, uh, also young people who are thinking whether or not they want to become a practice owner. And with the big corporates coming in in Europe, uh, which is going at a far uh, higher speed than anybody ever anticipated, people are a bit like the, the rabbit in the light. There's a lot happening and, and vets 
have no clue, well, no clue, but they find it difficult to respond. We are not marketeers. We are not. We do our, our work because of the passion of the animals. And we forget that there's a whole world around this. And now because there's so much changing in the marketplace and we have a new generation of vets coming up, not enough people take time to step back and say, okay, where am I with my practice? What are my personal goals? What are the goals of my practice? Um, and how can we align that? And how can I leave the practice in a, in, in a good way and leave my legacy to younger people? How can I prepare them for the entrepreneurship? So that's what we would like to talk about at that day. Reinventing your veterinary business strategy uh, or rethinking, maybe I should call it. Think about where you are, where you want to go. Are you still happy with what you do? Should you sell? Should you not sell? Those are the uh, uh, the topics we will discuss uh, at this interesting meeting in uh, in Budapest. Excellent. Thanks for the overview. So let's dig down on a few of these subjects. Those we have three players in this. So we have the practice owners who are deciding what to do, and and you know I know the time I spend in, in the EU. Many of the practice owners think that younger vets don't want to buy into practices, and the younger vets are the second part of the equation. So when you hear older vets or practice owners saying younger vets don't want to buy into a practice, do you think that's true? And if it is. Why so? And if not, why so? <laughs> okay, that's a tricky question. As you know, I've, I, I still uh, come a lot at university. I still speak a lot with young veterinarians and, and students. And in general, I do feel an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I still feel that young vets want to become owners. It is just that they are looking for another kind of company, another kind of structure, I should say, of the practices. I think a lot of, of the veterinary practices that exist at the moment, they have their structure, they have the way things are going, and that's the way it is. And uh, a lot of young people uh, have their own ideas. They are far more in favor of a good work-life balance. Money isn't everything. Salary isn't everything. So they, they look at, the, at, at our profession differently. And a lot of people of my generation see that as wrong. But I see that as, I mean, maybe it's wrong through our spectacles, but through, through their spectacles, it's completely right. And finding out where the future lies of these practices and how new ownership could look like, that is something that we haven't given enough thoughts. People are a bit overwhelmed by the buying capacity of the larger companies now, and, and, and a lot of owners sell because they think, well, this is... Uh, this is an opportunity that we will not get again. This is something, this is relatively easy. But I think we should, as a profession, we should take more time to contemplate on how our future should look like before selling uh, to these lar larger corporates. And I've met enough young vets who want to become owner. They just want to do it differently. But I think one of the challenges is, and we can talk about the third part of the equation, is these corporate groups are really offering high prices for practices, almost sometimes too high. And I know I've talked to a few vets who are like, I want to sell to an associate, but boy, I can make more money selling to a corporate group. I'd be crazy not to do that. And that becomes a real challenge because on one hand, money. On the other hand, keeping it in the vet profession. Do you see a way that the two can ever be combined or you know, happy on this? There's a reason why companies for so much money for these practices. 
they see opportunities that the vets themselves do not see or do not see clearly. So why not step back, look at your practice and look at it through the glasses of these uh, these big corporates? Why do they see this added value? Why do they think they can make more money? And I'm convinced that if you look at your own practice in a different way, and maybe with the help of other people, uh, you can see opportunities that you, you never thought of before. And maybe you can even make more money uh, if you follow that particular track compared to what's offered to you by corporates. It's also not only about money. I think it's also about legacy. It's also about getting rid of all the hassle. But if you if you want to be successful and if you want to have a successful practice, I think you have to invest. And you can let that investment be done by private equity companies. But you can also think about young people that come in, about yourself. Why not stop working and still remain shareholder of a practice? I think there are more opportunities than just selling out. Um, and another thing that I see happening is that I see unhappy people who've sold their practice to corporate, who are not happy with what they see happening in their own practice, who are not happy with their own position. And those are things that are, I would say, underestimated at the moment of, of selling your practice. And we know from Scandinavian countries that there are, particularly in the equine part, people who buy back their own practices or buy, or buy back the equine part of the practices, uh, because they think they can do better themselves. So it's a long answer, Mike, uh, but I yeah. hope you picked something out of it. No, well, it's not a, a simple subject. So I think it's to dealing with any thought about it, it's going to be a long answer. So why do you think the corporate groups are so excited about buying veterinary practices, whether it's the UK, Scandinavia, and now into uh, Northern Europe, Central Europe? It's really it's almost at a fever, these corporate groups buying the practices. So why do you think they like veterinary practices? I think there are, there are a few reasons for this. Uh, one of them is that they love to expand the uh, supply chain. So um, if you look, for instance, like companion animals, you know, we sell health, we sell preventative health, curative health care to, to these owners, but these owners need a lot more. They, they need their dog food. They need exercise, they need a babysitter, they need all kind of other stuff around this dog. And I think that that's something that we as a profession have, well, neglected may be a big word, but there is more to a dog than just veterinary care. And these supply chains, these, these big companies have the, uh, the ability to deliver far more than just healthcare. So they can make money at different stages in life of these animals. There's quite a lot of study done also by these large corporates. People and a new generation are spending more and more money on, on their companion animals. The companion animals become family members. Uh, another thing that research shows is that uh, dog owners are not so dependent on, on their own one particular veterinarian anymore. They don't mind to go to other vets for different things. So the whole market is shifting. And reason one for these corporates that they that they see more opportunities. Actually, they buy customers for all the different other products they have. Another reason why they're interested is, and that depends a little bit on the stage where they are in. I, I remember Anikura buying practices in Europe for a, a lot of money. And, and there are more doing it now. But they already have in the back of their minds that there is a 
big whale that's going to bite him for even more. And the more you've, you have aggregated, the more number of practices or the more customers you've aggregated, the more money you will get. But the sheer fact that you can say that you own uh, 100 practices compared to 10 practices drives up the price of these individual practices. So it's, it's also a money-making thing. And then the third reason, I think, is that, and I think that's something that we have to think about ourselves as a profession, is that we are very good in what we do, providing the care, but looking at it from a business perspective, that's not something that a vet is particularly good at. And these business people see more opportunities to get more out of these clients and customers than we do now. Uh, so they see a lot of value they still can add. So I think those three things are the reason why private equity is so incredibly interested in, um, in veterinary practices. It's interesting. The last two uh, items, uh, just the fact that there's money and that there's opportunities. I 100% agree with you on that. But it's to me, it's always a shame that the other people are seeing the potential. It's it's too bad that veterinarians aren't realizing it. And they're almost giving away the extra value or the extra opportunities in their practices. So with that being said, so you're, you're doing the workshop. You are you're doing it not by yourself. So perhaps you can explain uh, and introduce who uh, you'll be presenting it. And also just maybe you can listen, uh, tell our listeners what will go on during the workshop. Okay, so I'm very happy to do the workshop together with Bufin Brooks. Bufin is a, a diplomat ECVS. She studied at Utrecht University, the same university I studied. We've met several times when we worked there. Bufin is also very interested in the management uh, and the logistics that's going on in, in practices. We've met several times and we share this idea. And actually, it's also what you said, Mike. The idea that, hey, why why can't we as a profession not organize these things by ourselves? Why don't we see these opportunities and why don't we create these opportunities ourselves? Now, the nice combination uh, of Bufin and me is that I have a large background in, in equine. Uh, Bufin has this in companion animals. And I think uh, we both look at companies or at practices as companies. Let's put it that way. What we will do together is with the group, first of all, do an introduction on where we think we are with our profession at the moment. Uh, we, we discuss a little bit the dynamics that are going on. We will try to figure out what's going on in the different practices of the people who are there. And then we would like to systematically, and I'm not, I'm not going to, to tell you all our secrets. Yeah. We, will go, we will go systematically through practices in a way that creates value. For sure, we'll start with identifying your customers and the kind of customers you have have and the kind of customers that you want to have should you fire some customers or how do you find new customers and then uh, one of the most important things we will discuss is why are you unique what is your unique value proposition for all these different groups and then we will work it out more in detail how do you deliver your services how do you connect with your customers what do you need in order to be able to provide all these services who should you partner uh, with and then also in the end, the financial part, what are your expenses and what are your potential revenues? Our aim is to open the eyes of the people who are there uh, and let them together with the rest of the group invent new 
customer groups or customer journeys, generate new ideas, see how you can provide these services in, in a time and age where telemedicine is getting important, are not so tied to one particular vet, but are able and willing to travel to completely other providers of services. So that's the kind of journey we would like to take the people uh, on. Excellent. So people can get more information by going to the Oculus Insights website at oculusinsight.net. You can look underneath either the educational programs or upcoming events on the oculusinsights.net website. Yop, I really want to thank you for uh, spending some time talking about it. It's an incredibly relevant subject. Uh, I know we've been focusing on uh, the European market, but the exact same things are happening in North America. Uh, I actually had some conversations this morning with some equine vets who have been approached to be sold and that market is really heating up quite a bit. So uh, I think this is a hot topic and I recommend anybody uh, to, uh, who's interested in practice ownership or selling the practice or the future of the practice to really participate. So again, thank you very much and uh, good luck at it. Thank you, Mike. It was a pleasure talking to you and I'm looking forward to uh, meeting the colleagues on the 3rd of July in, uh, in Budapest. Bye-bye.